Welcome to the Divine Rhyme, a music podcast with culture, with Will Hogsett and Dylan Hughes, up on the Running Hook Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of the Divine Rhyme put together by the Running Hook Podcast Network. If you could, please um, rate, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, and then follow us on social at the Running Hook on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. But this week, we've got Bluegrass City, Sturgill Simpson, his last two uh, most current albums. Dylan, what uh, what was the last couple of weeks like? Because we've been off for a little bit. So what have you been listening to other than Sturgill? And uh, what what is what kind of what kind of tune has the bluegrass thrown into your life? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the past couple of weeks hasn't been too different because I find myself throwing these albums on uh, just at random points of uh, life. Because mm-hmm. man, you know. Sometimes you just need it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was it was last weekend. I had a doctor's appointment at like 1030. And of course, I got up early to watch some, you know, European PGA Tour. or so. By 1030 a.m., I tweeted this. I'm like, it's or I think it was 10. It's 10 a.m. I've already watched golf and listened to bluegrass in my car. I, I've like I've done it today. There's nothing yeah. else to do. Yeah. And that was by 10 a.m. And that that's the checklist right there. Watch golf, listen to bluegrass, your day is set. So for anyone out there that has tough times, do that. I think you'll flip it around real quick. Hey, Um, so, you know, I was going to say you're not wrong. I mean, uh, (laughs) you know, there's there's a lot of stuff on TV and golf is probably one of the most relaxing uh, and at least enjoyable, at least for me. Um, so let's let's get into a little golf talk. The Open was uh, just concluded yesterday. Um, Morikawa with the dub, his second major win, his first Open win, and his first time there, just like in the PGA Championship he won a couple of years ago. It was his first attempt at the PGA Championship. What uh, I know you mentioned earlier b- before the podcast that you like the course and you like the link style of play, but what, what do you think – separates that kind of play from what we get over in America. Yeah, it's really unique. And, you know, I've been watching a lot of European tour lately um, because there's been some more, some of the American guys have gone over there to practice for the open. Um, So, you know, there's been some bigger names over there and a lot of the courses over there are like that. I mean, there's definitely some that are, you know, you got a lot of trees and it's more, um, it's, it's just a different strategy. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not to say that it's easier or harder. Um, it's just different strategy. And, you know, like the, they let that rough grow for two years <laughs> and it was, I mean, probably two or three feet deep. Yeah. So a lot of these long drivers, you know, like Bryson DeChambeau, that's his game. Like he's going to hit it hard and far and he ended up in the rough a lot and it no. just, it, it makes your second shot so difficult. And he was complaining about uh, his driver. I'm like, dude, just pull the yeah. three wood out. Like, yeah. like what's the issue, man? Get on the fairway. So like, you got to make the fairway. You got to avoid those deep bunkers. 
Uh, it's real hilly. Then, mm-hmm. like, you know, some of those greens are nuts. I mean, yeah. a lot of undulation, as they say. <laughs> so it was uh, – it was definitely an interesting weekend, like different strategy than we're used to seeing in America where it's like, well, you got to curve it around some trees or get the it water. over, you know, a bunch of trees like that. Yeah. Water. Like that's what a lot of the American golf is. And, uh, you know, over there in sandwich England, mm-hmm. it's uh, a lot different. Yeah. I have fun watching it. It doesn't seem as if there's like water on the course, like you see in um, a lot of American courses, you'll have seven eight holes that are kind of bordered by water and then um the bunkers man you mentioned the bunkers but like, the way that they do their bunkers is like they put it on the like the highest slope and then they'll cut into the slope and so you better not put it up against i saw a couple guys just like literally chip into the bunker that they were already in just to get a better shot that's how i mean that's a stroke right there that's I mean that's unfortunate, but this isn't this ain't this ain't a golf podcast. Although the more we we get on with it, the more it, it turns into a little bit of a golf podcast. But hey, I'm not I, I'm not pushing against the wave of the as it goes. So, um, but other than Sturgill, anything else you've been listening to? Me, I don't know if I've discussed this with you. I've been listening to a lot of Peach Pit, which is kind of like an alternative indie, uh, definitely like a guitar, electric guitar kind of synth. Uh, sound what what about you anything else that's been popping up in, in the playlist uh yeah i've kind of just been hitting shuffle lately and you know honestly i don't know if you've listened to her much but casey musgraves mm-hmm. a very good listener uh she really solid i mean she's been coming up a lot i feel like it's a little bit of um destiny i just like you know what i'm gonna roll with it very good summer listen uh golden hour like was her last album so really good summer album mm-hmm. uh then you know listen to that a lot of course future comes up a lot danny brown who is like kind of like an underrated rapper like a lot of people don't listen to him because he's got like kind of a unique style and if you've never listened to him you'll soon find out what i mean when i say unique style mm-hmm. uh but i really i really like him so it's been a kind of a lot of a lot of uh old stuff coming about you know lately mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I definitely have been kind of hitting the shuffle a little bit, but there's no doubt when it's summertime, it's also Sturgill time. And more than just Sturgill time, Sturgill bluegrass. And so I'm going to start off uh, these bluegrass albums with a question, because the first volume is the Butcher Shop Sessions, obviously, obviously recorded in a different time than the Cowboy Arms Sessions. Did you see any major differences, whether it be... Um, the the tempo of the songs or just just the recording of it and maybe the content of the songs between the two bluegrass albums that we were um, looking at yeah i definitely think the the butcher shop sessions were much more higher tempo Mm -hmm. um and you know we've discussed in the past that when you have banjo it's like it's kind of hard to keep the pace down uh, but the cowboy arm session i was realizing like he actually did a pretty good job of because he took a lot of slower songs especially in that one mm-hmm. and i think he did a pretty good job of actually um not necessarily matching the tempo but slowing it down as much as you can with a banjo involved um so it's definitely like kind of a stark difference and you know we talk about the cover art a lot and i think just the colors because it's the same exact picture for both 
Mm-hmm. But the first pictures is green and yellow, you know, so it's like kind of bright, happy, gives off that kind of vibe. And I think the songs match that. And with volume two, it's like kind of blue. And I think that is the, you know, again, with bluegrass, you're going to get higher pace no matter what. But I think the second volume was definitely a little bit slower. Yeah, that's tough to do. Like you mentioned, too, it's such a fine, fine line to kind of ride because the like you mentioned, the banjo naturally just kind of picks things up. Right. And so, so I thought Sergio was able to do a pretty good job. Obviously, he has the range in his uh, vocals to kind of be able to slow it down like that as well. But talk about the cover. art. I don't know if we already mentioned this, but is 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 the cover art of these two albums not the most Sergio Simpson thing you'll ever fucking see? I mean, the name of the album, obviously, the two albums, Cut and Grass, it's a bluegrass, but the guy's just sitting on a, a driving lawnmower, shades on. I fucking love it. I love it. You know, and that is so that is so Sturgill fucking Simpson. Um, but let's get into uh, uh, the butcher shop sessions a little bit um, to start off. Probably my personal, I liked it a little bit better. Just just as you mentioned, it, na- it matches the natural kind of like flow of what he's looking for. Um, so what were some of the standout tracks uh, on, on this, this album for you? Yeah, so as we've discussed in the past, like oh, these, well, all of these songs are reduced. Um, some of them obviously we're more familiar with because they're more recent. Some of them are coming from the Sunday Valley times, which man, I would love to know the percentage of Sturgill fans that like listen to Sunday Valley when they were a thing, you know, it's Mm -hmm. probably a very small percent. So a lot of these songs, we don't really know. And by the way, if you look them up, it's hard to find them. Like there's, there's like no albums published anywhere. I know they made albums, but I like, I think they're only in physical copies Mm -hmm. and all. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And it wasn't even that long ago. It was like 2010, but it feels like it was a century ago. Um, And then even the YouTube videos, it's like, I don't know about you, but most of the time I'm not a huge, like live edition kind of guy. It just doesn't sound as good. Some of them are really good, but I think most of the time, they're not as good because they're recorded on like a cell phone in the crowd, you know, it just doesn't Mm -hmm. come through the same way. So, you know, a lot of these songs were kind of getting a chance to hear the first time around, um, especially for me. So, you know, like the first three songs here, we get, you know, all stuff that we've talked about on our recent episodes. Um, Breakers roar obviously needs some discussion Mm -hmm. because it's a major, major flip, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we talked about this last time with the Sailor's Guide to Earth. It's a major flip from the tempo. And I honestly, like, I was trying to pick these older songs, which ones I liked, like, which version I liked. Did I like the old version more or the new version? And as much as I love the last version, like, I love this version too. And I honestly don't, I honestly don't think I can pick. Like, I think... Mm-hmm. The, the two different tempos for this song work really well. And honestly, as we'll get through in the rest of this album, I definitely think there, there are some songs where the slower tempo worked better. But I think throughout this entire, you know, both volumes, but especially this first one, he did a really good job of changing the tempo, but also like keeping it to a point where it, it didn't change too much from the original. Yeah. Breakers Roar, you definitely see that a lot. 
because uh, at least in, in the version, uh, uh, the original version, it's put together in that album in, in a somber, more somber moment, right? And Sturgill, as we mentioned, has the, the, the capability to kind of bring that to uh, bring you down with them. But as we see in a lot of these songs that are just flipped to bluegrass, which automatically turns the tempo on, um, you know, he does, he's able to carry you the other way. It's like two sides of the same coin. Right. And, um, in this version of breakers roar, he's, it's kind of like more of a, more of a cheerful, although it's kind of tough to say because it's such a sad song, but it's like, he's delivering it with hope in, in, in his, in his lyrics. And I, I wonder like how much of that is the bluegrass effect. And we keep talking about the bluegrass like effect kind of, I, I kind of want you to dive more into, what what bluegrass what kind of what kind of a style of music bluegrass is i mean because you see this with sturgill it's tough to make a sad song and i I know we'll talk about that in in the second album but even the sad songs aren't necessarily as sad and do you think that has to do with the instruments or just kind of the the nature of the 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 music itself yeah i mean i would say probably you know you know, just from off the top of my head, the biggest difference in the second version is, or the second volume is that the banjo is just used more strategically. Yeah. Like I think, I think the other strings kind of get utilized more, um, especially earlier on in the song. So you get that slower tempo kind of set. Um, <clears throat> like a lot of the songs on this volume, it's like banjo right out the rip, you know, it's, as we we've talked about this throughout the Sturgill, uh, you know, series here that that banjo, like, it's just, it just, you start plucking that thing. And like, I can just imagine it's hard to like, stop, you know? Mm-hmm. So like it, if you're going to use the, the banjo as like your leading instrument, that's the pace. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, you've got the different types of strings. Like you got the banjo, you got the acoustic, and obviously the acoustic is where the the slower pace I think is going to come from. And then you've got the mandolin and the fiddle. And I would say the mandolin and the fiddle are probably more complementary um, strings. Mm-hmm. The I think the acoustic and the banjo really kind of set the tone they're going for. And I mean, if you just listen to this volume, especially the, the banjo pretty much leads like all these songs for yeah. the most part. So you instantly get that pace mm-hmm. because again, that's just kind of the natural like way that banjo is played. It's played quick. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it's, I mean, I think you can be versatile with it. And again, I think in the second volume, he becomes a little bit uh, more strategic with how it's used, but you know, the other strings, it's a lot, you can be more versatile, like acoustic guitar, I think acoustic is probably used for slow songs more often, but you can make it a fast instrument, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just more versatile, but banjo, it's, it's tough to, to slow it down. And with mm-hmm. this volume, he definitely used it to lead a lot, which just set a fast pace right out of the gate. Yeah. And you could draw some fiddle out too, you know, you could draw some fiddle out to make it kind of sober and somber, maybe the mandolin, not so much just because of, you know, how many sounds you're getting from it kind of similar to the banjo. Right. Uh, but moving on to the next kind of group of songs, um, I don't mind. I wonder, and just like, go like the, the, this first, this, this first part of, uh, the, the butcher shop sessions, um, 
it's I, I it's a non-skip easily and he's it goes so many places and i wonder is one of those moments where it's okay you still got the banjo right but it, it's used strategically and that's that that is that that's sturgill simpson to a t plus it's a beautiful song obviously the the, the lyrics are hit you in the heart especially if you're you know, kind of in a somber place, you know, thinking about a girl, which I seem to seem to damn near always be. But, um, you know, that, that right there, you get the dynamic of uh, just how Sturgill was raised kind of uh, in Kentucky in this like heart of bluegrass. Right. And I know you mentioned that that's his natural kind of style right and not necessarily the country that you see a lot in um, whether it be uh sunday valley uh points or even up to metamodern sounds and country music and i think that um a little light life of sin and long white line those are three in a row that i think just sound a lot more natural um played in in uh the band with the banjo and in in the bluegrass form you got any anything about those that you'd like to talk about use yeah, I mean, I, I said the same thing. Um, I did say Long White Line. I felt like the the original theme, I felt like, was a little bit um, stronger. Yeah. But, again, I think it fit really well into this. Um, and then my notes, like, just what you said, a little light in Life of Sin, I just said better pace. You know, yeah. the, the banjo just sets a better pace for those songs, and that's, I think what's interesting, because I was listening to these songs back to back, like the old version and the new version to kind of see, you know, what what fits better, what works better. Are we better going slow? Are we better using an electric guitar? Are we better using an acoustic or does the banjo do a better job? And sometimes it was the the electric or the acoustic. But, you know, and this I mean, this entire volume, I think most of the songs are better banjo, honestly, like I think. I think he picked these songs for a reason because he feels like he can speed them up. And even though they're kind of sad, he can make them sound good uh, with banjo and maybe even sound better. So that that was something I noticed with those groups of songs. And I mean, you know, I can't skip over. I don't mind. I mean, this is this is like by far my favorite song on the album. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like an experience. It's an experience to listen to this song. And I've got like damn near all the lyrics memorized at this point. So oh, like course. I'm of going course. like as soon as that, as soon as that kicks off, man, I'm going. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not that like lyrically, it's not that different than um, a lot of his other songs. It's like, you know, getting over a girl, like a lot of his early, uh, early stuff, uh, you know, high top mountain kind of stuff was, was kind of this theme of song. Um, so I'm imagining Sunday Valley probably because this is where that originally came from Sunday Valley. I'm imagining like he was kind of a sad boy for uh, Mm -hmm. quite some time just Mm -hmm. based on some of these older songs. Um, So, you know, just, you know, another song where you read through the lyrics and it's like, damn, man, like just great storytelling. Um, Even though it's kind of the same old thing with like getting over a girl uh, it's, it's still, he tells the story so well. And then, as you mentioned, I wonder is like the perfect follow up to that. Yeah. You know, I'm sad and lonely. I wonder, do you feel the same? Like yeah. it's 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 a re- like those two songs back to back, especially, I think, fit really well. I feel like I feel like the way we have to do a Sturgill Simpson podcast is just play the songs in the background and sing along. to them. <laughs> you know, because I, they're 
you know, J. Cole, uh, Schoolboy Q, uh, some of the other guys that we've kind of covered on this podcast, it's, you know, they have content and they have some punchy lines and they have songs you want to bop your head to. But something about Sturgill, and especially in these bluegrass albums, I just like turn it up and I just want to belt it with Sturgill. Like I'm here right with you, brother. Come on. <laughs> Come on. But um, but you're right. Like a lot of these songs, I feel like they um, kind of originated maybe out of the mind of a, a bluegrass kind of like uh, theme, but kind of were structured in a different way as they kind of got produced. Um, so I want to ask you, like, what is it about those? Do you think that the, the lot of Sunday Valley stuff that we haven't really heard that that attracts that's so attractive nowadays because like with sailor's guide to earth, there's a lot of good songs, right. And they're all put together really well. It's a perfect album, but it's still different when you hear some of the Sunday Valley stuff. And I kind of relate it to something that we've talked about before. Um, I think with Travis, not on the podcast, it's like, I like rodeo because it's raw, you know, it's just Travis. It's not really too much. um, You know, there's not too much, coming from outside of Travis that he has to, uh, you know, think about when he puts in this music. And I kind of get a similar vibe um, with some of these songs from Sergil, especially uh, my favorite song. um, One of my favorite songs, Sometimes Wine. And so we'll talk about some of the other ones, but I want to ask you, did you by chance find Sometimes Wine live at the Pickathon with Sunday Valley on YouTube? Um, man, I've done so many Sturgill binges. I don't even know what I've watched at this point. It it sounds familiar, but I definitely don't remember many details about it. Um, dude, that is probably the best video on YouTube, man. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's raw. And so I think the sometimes wine song actually is better, uh, played live, uh, and not in the bluegrass kind of setting. Uh, but you need to watch that. Like he, that guy goes nuts on the guitar and we already talked about his skills, but like that is, that is the best display of watching Sturgill Simpson on the guitar on YouTube. And so my preferred version is not, you know, pull up sometimes wine on, um, on Apple music or whatever. I'll be like, all right, turn on the car. Let's listen to this. (laughs) So listen to that. (laughs) But, um, a lot of these songs are on YouTube, you know, and a lot of these songs, you, uh, you already kind of discussed that. I love, I just love watching them live play and watching the guitar kind of go uh, along with hearing a more natural version of the song, you know, like these versions are more complete, you know, people would want to say they're more complete. There's nothing like watching a full production kind of live. And so what are, uh, what are some of the Sturgill Simpson live videos that stick out to you? (laughs) Man, I mean, the the Sunday Valley stuff is definitely interesting to watch um, because again, like that's that's all we have of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there there was definitely like I I looked up I don't mind and it just didn't it didn't feel the same mm-hmm. uh, because I really think the 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 fully fleshed out like instrument or the fully fleshed out bluegrass version where you're like you know, you got a good speaker like that. I feel like that's a much better experience than, yeah. uh, than the, you know, the, the old live version. But I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the live Sturgill stuff is good. Um, like, well, I had a little, Oh, Sarah, like week Ooh. when we, when we talked about sailor's guide, Ooh. uh, which we'll, we'll get to that in the next volume as well. Um, 
you know, like that, that's a really good one. I think to, to see live too, because I can just imagine like being in the audience and like getting the feel for that, like really somber kind of opening where you get a full minute of just really like kind of sad guitar. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, like it just, it makes me feel some type of way every time I hear that song and like the, the live versions he has on YouTube um, are really good too. And, you know, just like the, the tiny desk concert he has is really good too. Like everything he does live, I think is good because he's such a talented guitar player mm-hmm. and, you know, he obviously, especially with bluegrass, like he needs other instruments around him, but Sometimes he just sits down with his acoustic, his acoustic guitar and it's like better than 99.9% of yeah. earth's capabilities, you know, like he's, he really sets himself apart and being able to like, just see him in his, you know, kind of natural habitat almost mm-hmm. is, it really gives you a different kind of perspective on the music. Yeah. That's what you get uh, c- comparing um, R and B artists, for example, to like com- some of these, you know, guitar heavy artists, it's like whenever they sing and they're playing the guitar, you see the emotion, you know, you could in a sense feel the emotion that they're giving out, that they're putting out. And I think that's why we're so drawn to, you know, some of the YouTube stuff. But also, like you mentioned, when you listen to it live or when when you listen to it live, you see the effort being put into the guitar, whereas, you know, you might be listening it offhand on uh, Apple Music and the guitar part comes up and you might not kind of feel that to the fullest because you know just as much effort that we normally listen to uh the singing and the vocals like that that effort's still being put in the guitar and i think that's what you're really able to kind of pick up and um kind of feel uh when you watch it live but sometimes wine i think works better because that is more of a a raw kind of song like um i have always tried to keep my glass full and uh whenever he does it whenever he does it live it's like you feel the the raw the emotion just like damn this guy is caught up about a girl yet again man but that's (laughs) but that's why we love him um and so is there any other uh song on the first initial one that you want to talk about i think um uh time after all and voices are uh two of my favorites that kind of translated to this uh bluegrass version but what what do you got anything for the rest of this album yeah time after all i thought was better slow um and again when i say better slow like i'm not saying that that this version's bad like i i think all of these songs are good but Again, when you when you kind of listen and, and context matters, too, because I do think that some of these songs are interconnected to each other and like the way he laid them out. But this is this is just like a, you know, a bluegrass session. Like, that's what he's doing. Like, yeah. it's not it's not as structured. So I think the context of the old song can kind of change maybe how you view it. Yeah. Um, like, as we mentioned, the Sailor's Guide to Earth songs they they don't translate the same way because they don't all have that same theme mm-hmm. they did in the original album. So, um, and, you know, Breakers were, I think, was really good. Some of the ones we'll discuss on the next, I don't think translated as well yeah. um, as some of these songs. But, you know, that the, the context of the album definitely changes how you view it. Um, you know, Turtles All the Way Down, I, I don't think there was a way he could have possibly improved that. Yeah. I mean, I think the original is so good. You know, yeah. it's 
there, there's nothing he could do about that uh, to make it better. Um, voices, I thought, was a perfect balance on this one as well. Um, and same with Water in a Well. Like, I, I really think he did a great job of finding the proper balance of, like, not losing the original theme, but upping the tempo and kind of getting it more bluegrass. So I think especially the second half of the album, because this is a 20 song uh, album right here. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not just a handful of songs. Um, I think the second half of this particularly was really strong in finding the proper balance overall. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, How much of that is like you mentioned it being a session. So they're kind of just like working on these songs, like all together. They obviously have the idea down because they Sturgill knows the songs, you know, to, to his heart. Uh, but how much of the like sessions kind of affected it? Because you see in this first one, they probably went into it with a more like focus on, okay, let's try to bluegrass the fuck out of this shit. And then the second one, the second sessions, the cowboy arm sessions, it's more like, okay, these are going to be a little bit more tricky to kind of like find that balance. And so I, what do you, what do you think about that? What do you think about like, okay, the first, first, first session, we're going to bluegrass the second session. We're going to try to kind of find that balance. And do you think that worked, worked for Sergio? Yeah. I mean, if, if you think about anything, like the more you do something, the better you're going to get at it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think I kind of imagine like the earlier songs, they're maybe kind of figuring out like, how, how do we balance this? Like, how do we not make it too bluegrass and, and lose that original theme and also give it that bluegrass, you know, vibe. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, and I mean, you can definitely tell just by these songs and some of the, some of the songs on the first volume were kind of sad too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, a lot of it was more upbeat. And I think the second volume was like a lot of these songs were intentionally slower. So, you know, you could tell that he was definitely trying to go for a different vibe and he wanted to mix the bluegrass in there, but he didn't want to make it too bluegrass where it would lose all kind of meaning. So again, I, I think the more he worked through these songs, you could tell that they were getting, you know, they were becoming really strong. Mm-hmm. And some of the songs we're about to discuss, like I was listening to last night, I expected them to not work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I was really listening strongly to the, to the instruments <laughs> And I just think he did a really good job. And like, it may not have been as good, like I mentioned earlier, but he did a great job of getting as close as possible. Yeah. And I think it's, it's I think it's made tough because obviously, as you see on the second uh, section, the cowboy arms, it's like almost not fully, but it's almost like a sailor's guide to earth only just in bluegrass. You know, that's kind of like the theme that, that, that we get, but uh, obviously uh, a little bit tougher to kind of negotiate and having that first session down of like, all right, we've already whipped out a bunch of good bluegrass songs. uh, I think definitely helped when going into this one. Uh, But I'm just going to name my favorite song. And then, um, I'll let you kind of discuss uh, the songs that you'd like to, but one that I always just continue going back to on this one is, is Tennessee. Uh, And I think that song is um, the one where you discuss, like he really, really used that banjo particularly. Like he really, really kind of put it in 
very, very light, but just even one stroke of the banjo every once in a while kind of picks you up, you know, and it's like, okay, although this is a somber song. And again, this is where I think Sturgill is like hits the money, you know, he's still able to kind of get that bluegrass sound into it. And uh, I think that just kind of adds to um, adds to anything that he's done. And I, I also wasn't able to find Tennessee anywhere else. Were you? Um, no, I was not. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if this is just one of the original, like one of the OG songs that he's put on, but it was the first time I heard it. I'm like, God damn, that is Sturgill to a T and he's talking about a girl and the way he does it, like it's so, it's so difficult to discuss, but his, his, the way he writes, it makes you feel like you're actually Sturgill. Like in this song, particularly he's like, um, I feel like so close to you, but in reality, you're three, two, three hours down I-65. And I'm like, dude, this guy's talking about a goddamn interstate that I drive all the fucking time. <laughs> I drive on all the fucking time. <laughs> so uh, did you did you, did you like that one, uh, Hughes? And then if, if, if not, what else kind of stood out to you on this one? Yeah, man, this this one hit me the first time I heard it because like the last girl I was talking to moved to Tennessee. Uh, I'm like, come on, Sturgill, get out of my damn head, Sturgill. <laughs> yeah. Come on. As soon as as soon as I heard him say like the chorus, you know, you're all the way down in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh no, what what you're about to pull some shit out that I thought was gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that song hit that song hit me the first time too. I was like, man, and like you know, now I've heard it enough now where I'm good. But it's like that first few times, I'm like, god damn, Sturgill. Mm-hmm. like don't pull me to that place right now uh so yeah I, I thought that one was excellent too and again some of those og ones are my favorite because we don't really have as much as much of the context of you know what the original sound was and we didn't hear it in the uh frame of like an album so we get it for what it is and mm-hmm. again that's why i think i like i don't just on its own as a song it's fucking awesome like we don't have any context for what it is mm-hmm. and another one like that for me and i think i sent this to you a while ago jesus boogie mm-hmm. like holy fuck man it's so first of all and this is not the only song on these on either volume that's like this but he'll start it off real slow and quiet and then he'll inject that that banjo like he mm-hmm. you know uh this one starts off the first verse is real slow and man, like just reading through the lyrics is so fascinating because it, it's called Jesus Boogie. Like he's he's basically giving uh, almost a devil's advocate, no pun intended, to Jesus, where it's like Jesus didn't ask for this. Like all these sins I died for, they are not mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just a really, really strong song, like both, you know, sonically and lyrically. Um, and it's, to me, it's definitely my favorite song on this album. Um, and it's, again, a lot of these songs are really quick. Like this song has two verses, a chorus and a bridge, you know, Yeah. but of course there's a ton of, you know, instrumentals in there as well. But, uh, I mean, just really, really good. Um, and then I talked about, Oh, Sarah already. I definitely think the original is better because, you don't you don't get that minute instrumental at the beginning, which I think is very important to um, kind of building up what it is. And again, it's it's still a good song, but I, I don't like it as much. 
and Hero, which has kind of quietly become one of my favorite Sturgill songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is all like this is a high top mountain song. Like I, it, it, we even talked about the the album. I didn't really discuss Hero that much because it kind of hit me after that I really liked it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought the original was better as well, but this version's very good too. Um, so. Yeah, Jesus Boogie, definitely my favorite. A lot of other really good ones on here, but that one stood out to me. How much of uh, how much of that kind of reintroducing some of his maybe newer uh, audience to some of the old songs do you think was uh, part of the idea behind releasing some of the, the some of these songs on the bluegrass albums? <laughs> yeah, I would imagine it played a huge part because we talked about High Top Mountain like it was probably not a very popular album. Mm-hmm. Just looking at the genius um, like view numbers, there's not a lot of people looking up this album, which makes me think it was probably not listened to very much. Um, and so we see a lot of those songs, obviously Sunday Valley. Yeah. Like I said, the, the vast majority of his fans nowadays, they either have no idea that he was a part of a band at one point called Sunday Valley, or they just haven't really listened to the song. So I think he's trying to kind of almost pay homage to like those old songs and like say, Hey, these are like really good songs that maybe not a lot of people recognized. Mm-hmm. And like, we're going to add a little bluegrass, you know, twang to it and, and see what we can do. Yeah. So I, I think that was really important because for me personally, it definitely kind of brought me back to those old songs and gives you a more kind of full perspective on his entire career, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I, I go back I go back to these two volumes so often because I, I think they sound really good. And I think that, uh, again, bringing some of those old songs back out, uh, is really good. And like, I didn't even talk about the, the last volume, but, uh, just let go mm-hmm. like that, that song, I think that song's way better in bluegrass. So, oh, yeah. you know, I, I think he wanted to give, I think he wanted to give these, some of those older songs, um, a new spin and, and see if they would work better. And it, it did for a lot of them. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, I was going to ask, so how much of this is, cause this kind of feel like Serge was kind of coming full circle, right? How much of this, how much of this is that? And then looking forward, looking to the future, what, I mean, what can we expect from Sergio? And that's like asking God, uh, the, the fucking key to the life. Like that's, you, you have no idea because just when you think he's going to, you know, follow up sailor's guide to something similar to that, he drops sound and fury fucking hard ass rock album. Um, and then he go- comes back with two volumes of bluegrass. So do, do you expect Sergio to continue down the line of bluegrass or what do you think's next? Cause I have no fucking clue. Yeah, I was going to say that's uh, that's pretty tough to figure out. I mean, he has produced in three different uh, genres at this point. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really tough to figure out what he likes most. Mm-hmm. And I mean, hell, he's uh, he's rounded himself out quite nicely at this point. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's basically proven he can do anything. So um, it's who knows, man, like anything that's guitar based, I think he could do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of hope that he sticks sticks around like the normal country bluegrass type of stuff, because as much of, as I liked Sound and Fury, like it 
it didn't personally like stand out to me as like one of his better pieces, uh, better works. Mm-hmm. And again, like this was him just all of a sudden saying, Hey, I'm going to make a rock album. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to expect someone to kill it with that, you know? And again, and there were still some songs on there. I loved, which just speaks to his talent right there. But I, I definitely think the bluegrass country style for him works. Um, it kind of pulls his, his strengths out the most. So I hope he sticks with that, but who knows at this point? I mean, yeah. he's, he's definitely a toss up and like whatever he's interested in that year is what he's going to do. So who knows? Yeah. He's definitely, um, I think a bluegrass at heart kind of guy. He helped, uh, he was one of like the main producers between uh, or for Tyler Childers original album Purgatory. He had a really big hand in that. I don't know how much you've listened to Tyler Childers, uh, but um, I love Tyler Childers and Tyler Childers, especially originally had definitely more of a, a bluegrass uh, based sound. And then actually most recent, his most recent album is actually just like 10 songs that are him playing the fiddle just him playing the fiddle alone, which is kind of nice. I, it's, it's nice to have on your phone downloaded because every once in a while when you hit shuffle, you just hear a fiddle come out of nowhere and you're like, all right, I can deal with this for uh, a little bit. So, um, but yeah, I think he, I think he's definitely a, a bluegrass kind of guy um, at heart. And I, I don't think he could go wrong anywhere. I mean, it'd be tough for me to say, Hey, that Sergio album sucked. I don't imagine ever saying that, but it'd be even more tough with like, I don't know, 15 brand new fucking bluegrass songs. You know, I would, uh, but I don't think that's coming anytime soon. Unfortunately. Um, I think when was this, when was the last one released? Uh, December 10th, 2020. It is July 19th, 2021. As we are recording this episode, we did predict the future a little bit with J Cole. We did. I mean, I'm not going to take credit for that 100%, but as soon as we were done with J. Cole um, month, uh, he dropped another album, brought us back into the game, which I was not mad about. I was not mad about, but I don't know if we could expect anything like that from Sergio. Normally, he um, he's a little bit more deliberate, although J. Cole is pretty deliberate as well. Uh, but I feel like we'd hear from Sergio when he's making a new album, and then a year after, uh, he'll, he'll drop a new one, so... You have any other songs on uh, the uh, the second album the uh, that you'd like to talk about? A lot of them, like we mentioned, are are um, the Sailor's Guide to Earth songs, and he kind of like splits them up so you don't get the, the Sailor's Guide kind of feel right. It's not like the same album. Uh, but did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about on on this last session? Yeah, I don't really have much else. Um... Welcome to Earth again, like impossible to recreate that. Yeah. But again, I think he did a good job. Like, because if you think about Welcome to Earth, and we discussed this last pod, that the buildup in the beginning and kind of the rapidly changing sounds that you get, because you get basically three different sounds in that song. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, the Welcome to Earth, like you're going to get the Sailor's Guide theme of like waves crashing and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that context is really important for making that song as good as it is. And again, I think he did a really good job trying to recreate this. It's just not going to be the same. It's it's impossible to remake it like that. So, again, you know, all of these songs are good songs. Some of them miss the mark because they're not meant to be bluegrass. Some of them get better with bluegrass like that. That's yeah. kind of just the balance you figure out. 
Um, and again, like he tried some, and this is what his career is. Like he's trying something yeah. that maybe a lot of guys wouldn't try. Yeah. And you know, when you do something like that, you're going to fail. And again, I don't think he failed. It's just, some of them aren't going to be bluegrass songs and that's just how it is. So, uh, you know, that, that's kind of the takeaway for me from both of these albums. Yeah. Uh, this one in particular, like, I would say I definitely like the, the volume one more. Um, and you know, having twice as many songs, you get a lot more variety too, yeah. but this, this one, um, there's really just a, a handful of songs. I really go back and listen to the rest are good, but like not better than the original. Yeah. That, I mean, you're right. Sergio's like in these two albums, he's like, this is who I am and I'm gonna put it out there. I don't, I don't give a fuck, you know? And I think that's a big kind of theme of Sergio's career. Maybe not necessarily giving a fuck about what, maybe his fans to an extent or especially just the the society of around country music kind of like thinks you know and so this is definitely um classic sturgill uh i agree i'd probably take the first one over the second one but uh you know there's i think a lot more difficulty in the second one and, and on, on the second one the tracks that he does get right uh he, he definitely you know gets right right and so um, you know, and going on to that point uh, before we end about uh, uh, Welcome to Earth and then even O'Sara, you know, those those introdu- the in- introduction obviously on Welcome to Earth is made for um, Sailor's Guide to Earth, you know, and so that's and the same thing with Sarah. It's, it's made to kind of fit the mood. And so naturally you're going to lose some of those things uh, when you put it into a new album, new version. Uh, that maybe a, a lot of us held on to, but I think that that was kind of the point as well. Uh, you know, kind of just completely switching it up a little bit, but you know, it's Sergio Simpson. Anytime Sergio Simpson releases any sort of music, any sort of art, whether it be, uh, if he's in a movie, I, I, he was in, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but he was in, um, hunt in like 2020. Have you seen that movie? I have not. Yeah, there's he's he's in. It's like a, it's kind of like a a clue esque movie, like Who Done It, and uh, Sturgill's in, and it has a nice little piece as as a like a little gangbanger. So it's pretty cool. So Sturgill's just you know all around love a guy, great guy, and he's pretty funny as well. Um, but that would end. Uh, seems like it's going to end Sturgill uh, month for now. Whenever uh, he. Um, releases some more music we're definitely going to get right back on top of it don't you worry about that uh i definitely will uh, and i'm sure Hughes will as well but Hughes, i kind of picked sturgill we kind of keep going back and forth on who we're doing next who we got next up yeah so it's it's uh to me this has been de- uh destiny delivering this into our lap but it's mac miller mm-hmm. i mean me and will I think me and Will actually have a uh, kind of we started our bond over Mac Miller. I want to say at, at least initially. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of IPUI walks where we would discuss Mac Miller and you know the the post class three hour discussions we would have in the the campus center. You know, there'd be some Mac Miller mix in there. Of so of course, definitely, uh, definitely an an early uh, an early bond for us and. I mean, just a guy that I can't, I can't kick, you know, I can't kick him. Like every time one of those songs comes up in the playlist, you just sit back and you take it, man. And you're, you're, uh, 
like transported. So yeah. we're going to have to figure out exactly what albums we're going to talk about because as me and Will were talking about, there's a lot. He's, mm-hmm. He was around for quite a while. He produced a lot of music and we're trying to keep these to like a month each, each artist. So we're going to figure it out, but uh, we're definitely going to try to get at least the most, uh, most important ones mixed in there. Yeah. So what is your experience with Mac Miller? Um, I know we talked about this, but just to let some of the audience know, at least me, uh, I have, I've had a bunch of friends that listen to Mac Miller. I, I kind of listened to him off and on originally uh, when I was like in high school and stuff like that, never dive in too deep. And then the last two, three albums, you know, were released uh, as I was in college and kind of getting out of college, like he's mentioned. Uh, and those definitely are the ones that I think as a culture kind of stand out uh, and definitely hooked me into the Mac Miller fandom. But what, what, what's your experience with Mac Miller Hughes so far? Yeah, Mac was a guy I've, I knew about, man, probably in, like, junior high. Because, like I said, man, he's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, like, he, you know, he died when he was 27. But, like, he was making music, I think, since he was, like, 15, maybe. Yeah. So, he was in the game for a long time. And, you know, the early stuff, like, I didn't really get into rap until I was a sophomore in high school. So... You know, the Mac Millers of the world just weren't so appealing to me early on. But those last three albums, which, you know, I didn't listen to The Divine Feminine until after Swimming. And, you know, Swimming was the album that he released, like, what, a month before he died. So that that was the album where I'm like, all right, I'm going to give this guy a listen and, and see what he's about. And, of course, I fall in love with that album. You know, he passes away. And that, I mean, this happens with a lot of artists, you know, they pass away and all of a sudden we get super into them. <laughs> it's, uh-huh. it's happens with a lot of them. Uh, I think pop smoke for a lot of people has kind of become the same thing recently. Um, and, you know, swimming was, was just such a strong album. And then of course circles was released uh, posthumously was a, uh, I'd done a lot of research on this cause I wrote an article, but he, his his producer John Bry uh, John Bryon was the one that finished that one, and he did such a good job. And mm-hmm. obviously, we'll go more in depth next next uh, the next month about all of that. But yeah, the those last three albums definitely have have really stuck with me. And you see a lot of progression just in those three albums to obviously uh, what we have now. And I'm uh, I'm definitely looking forward to going back and seeing kind of the early stuff too, and, and seeing what he was about. Yeah, there's definitely going to be some good conversations about those last albums, but I think what I'm looking forward to most and is kind of just diving in into who he was as he started. And we, we always talk about um, the progression of these artists as um, as they grow up, you know, kind of musically and grow up, obviously, physically. Um, uh, we saw that a lot with Sturgill, uh, obviously changing genres, uh, and then J. Cole and Schoolboy kind of just diving more into into their own lives and like kind of figuring out, okay, what, what it was going on and seeing that kind of translate into albums that are well, better, better put together, uh, definitely more content driven and stuff like that. But uh, you know, I feel like more than anyone that we've covered so far, Mac has started in a place and finished in, you know, uh, a place that is, you know, completely different from what he originally began as a career. Uh, and so I'm definitely looking forward uh, to that as well. Hughes, 
uh, before we hit um, shameless plugs time, you got any, any, anything else you want to chat about uh, before we end the divine round? Well, we got the golf talk out of the way. So I think I'm, uh, I think I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then. Well, I do got some plugs for you. As always, please uh, rate and subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out. Follow us on social, like I mentioned, at The Running Hook on Twitter and TikTok and Instagram. Uh, we got Alex and Dylan Pasquale Power Hour this week. Going to do a little finals review. Um, finals not over yet, Hughes. Uh, what's going on? Who do you think? What's going to happen? Here's a prediction. <laughs> Well, I originally picked Bucks and seven, and I know a lot of a lot of those early guys, uh, Bucks predictors, kind of jumped off the bandwagon when they went down 0-2. Mm-hmm. I'm like, guys, they were on the road. Series hasn't started. Road, yeah, okay? series hasn't started till the home exactly. team loses the game. <laughs> they, and 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 since then, what's happened? They've won three straight. So I'm yeah. sticking with the Bucks. Um, but hell, they may finish it in six. You know, we'll have yeah. to see. I think they play tomorrow. So. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll see, but I'm sticking with the Bucks, man. Giannis has been uh, just on another level, and when he's when he's on another level, he's one of the best players in the world. So watch. Yeah, uh, I definitely was one of those guys. I mean, I didn't pick the Bucks. I didn't really have a dog in the fight. You know, LeBron was out, so. <laughs> But I, I, I'd probably say I, I picked the Bucks, and I was one of those guys that when they lost two straight, I mean, the Suns were just looking good. It's like, okay, Suns have had good playoffs, but, you know, the Bucks don't count them out, I guess. Ryan Gregory's going to be um, living living a great life here soon, <laughs> especially up in Wisconsin. So um, he's going to be uh, – he's probably pretty happy. I haven't talked to him in a while, but I'm, I'm sure he's really loving life right now. Uh, Lynn Sanity going to get some finals coverage as well. Circle City Cinema with Zach Griffith. Always got some good content out. Um, the Battleground, it's been off for a little bit. T.O.P. so as well, but that's just, you know, Gregory – He's um he's focused on his bucks. So you got what? You, what can you say? What can you say? Uh, Divine rhyme. Uh, you know we're coming up with Mac Miller. Just finished Sergio Simpson, uh, and then for the non-running hook plugs, we got facts and stats by J.D. Hall uh, from one young soul to another. Dylan Hughes book, Den of Dorks with D.J. Deke, and then an updated uh, newsletter. The Dylan Hughes newsletter got it in the mail and the email. I think this weekend a little bit earlier. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Hughes? And I will say one of the best quotes I've ever read. It came from the first edition of the Dylan Hughes newsletter. And I think I think it was. I don't know if you said this or I think it came from it, but you said something like, How could anyone be mad if golf is on four days a week? And I'm like, dude, you know what? No one's ever said it better. No one's ever said it better. <laughs> so what can what what's what's the new and improved Dylan Hughes newsletter all about? Yeah, so honestly, uh it's it's me becoming a little bit more self-centered. Um, which I've, I've realized that people seem to like. So, you know, I was using the newsletter for a while, um, just just writing my business stuff. And, you know, I, I published this business stuff other places. So I'm like, how can I make the newsletter different? Like what, why subscribe to this if I'm just going to publish this stuff elsewhere? So I'm, I'm you know, making the, the newsletter original content. Like it's going to be stuff that you're not getting anywhere else. And it, it's kind of just my, you know, my takeaway from the week, like whether it's a news story or, or just some personal experience, like it's going to be um, something that that I think is worth talking about. And, you know, I'm going to maybe try to f- 
mix in some like funny or interesting videos and like obviously i'll throw in some promotions for my stuff as well so it's kind of a one-stop shop for dylan hughes content and uh if you're a Dylan Hughes fan, that's the place to go. Hey, I'm a Dylan Hughes fan. You got, hey, you at least got one right here. All right. And as long as this here, I'll hold you to this, this, all right. You watch Sometimes Wine on YouTube uh, live at Pickathon. And if that's not in the next Sturgill, or Sturgill, the next Dylan Hughes newsletter, I don't know what's, what should be in it. But that, anyway, that's a good way to end it. Hughes, thank you for another week. Looking forward to A, discussing Mac Miller and B, figuring out how we are going to discuss Mac Miller. Um, so, yeah, thank you once again to the audience for listening. Thank you to Alex Burr, everyone else at the Running Hook Podcast Network. This has been another episode of The Divine Rise.